Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Brrr, Kate. What's brrr? Are you okay? I'm not a I'm not a goat. I'm trying to do like I'm saying I'm cold. Are you a I'm cold bur- ghost? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that'd be more of a <laughs> that's sort of similar, but yeah, yeah, it's, more of a trill. There's more of a trill there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's getting cooler. The air is getting. Uh... You know, you would think with it getting cooler mm. that there would be no more mosquitoes, Betsy. Isn't that weird? I went apple picking. Yeah, and I got bit everywhere. On my face, I got huh. bit a couple times. I got bit on my arms about six huh. different times. That's on my legs, on my ankles. Huh. Why? I don't know, but now I know that when we go apple picking again, I'm going to be bringing the bug spray. Bring all of it. Just wow. douse yourself in it. Yeah, my son <laughs> got bit tonight, actually, outside, just playing. And he's like, I have a mosquito bite. And I'm like, tis not possible. It is too cold for the mosquitoes. But no, in nope. fact, he did have and one. And I was wearing a mask and th- on my face. <laughs> on my face, I have two. That's weird. Yeah. You're just super tasty. I guess. To mosquitoes. AB positive. Has something to do with the bacteria on your skin. What? That's one of the theories right now. Really? Yeah. Because I'm also very attractive to mosquitoes. Oh. And that, which is good, because I draw them away from the rest of my family. It's about how I protect them. Other than mosquitoes. Oh, sure. Well, the whole point of my be saying with the burr was that it's becoming fall. It's becoming, it's becoming spooky season. Yay. Spooky. My favorite. Spooky, spooky season. Who knows if we'll have trick or treating this year? We may not. Uh, the city might cancel. We're it. decorating our house anyway. Oh, decorate away. We'll we'll stop outside and visit. Yeah, that that is fine. You guys go hardcore with Heck your yeah. Yeah, no, you you, you don't. You, you double down on it. But <laughs> so uh, as with every year, I have to start with the spooky books yeah. and find a couple spooky books to, to do doing. Gets harder and harder. There's only so many classic spooky books for. You know, picture you've, book. You've form. given me some good ones. I like the. Oh, I have a whole crop this year. I'm actually, I'm very, I'm very proud of, of at least three that I've come up with off the top of my head. If I do say so myself. All right. And today is one that I found spooky as a child. I do not know if you will find it spooky, but when I was a kid, I considered this a nice spooky book. So I'm gonna pull it out. Okay. The Island of the Skog by Stephen Kellogg. Yes, Stephen Kellogg. We've done one Stephen Kellogg book uh, prior to this, and he only illustrated it. You remember the the day Jimmy's boa ate the wash? Sort of, yeah. It was like Memento. It was told backwards, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was Memento for kids. Um, This is not like that. This is written and illustrated by him, Um, and it is what it is. So, uh... (laughs) Yeah, why don't you uh, take that there book? Okay. All right. Stephen Kellogg, Stephen Kellogg. Oh, Stephen Kellogg. Of of all the picture book author illustrators out there, he is probably the one I remember best from my youth. So apparently, according to the Wikipedia, on November 12, 2011, 
Kellogg was given an honorary Doctor of Humane Letters from the University of Findlay in Ohio. All of his original illustrations were donated to the Maza Museum of International Art from Picture Books at Findlay. And the donation was made possible in part by a $350,000 gift by a close friend by the name of Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Why does that name sound familiar to you? Well, you might remember him from ER, where he played Dr. Mark Green. You might remember him from Northern Exposure, where he played the, uh, the guy who couldn't be exposed to any toxins in the air. And of course... This book that we are doing today, The Island of the Skog, was apparently turned into a short film, and it was narrated by, you guessed it, Anthony freaking Edwards. That's actually not his name. His name is Anthony Charles Edwards. Anyway, I just find this friendship absolutely fascinating and more than a little adorable and would love to know more about it, so Mr. Edwards, feel free to write in. Tell us more about your friendship with Stephen Kellogg. How did how did it begin? How did you crazy kids meet? You got a bit of an age difference there, so I would like to know more. Go on. Tell me. Hello. Hi. Hi. I read a lot, and I looked a lot, and my eyes hurt. I understand. There are tiny, teeny, tiny, little, itty-bitty details there in this book. There are very intricate drawings very. by Ken Dunn. I have no idea how large the actual art for this is, because I suspect it is quite large, and it's been shrunk down for the book, mm-hmm. is the only thing I can figure, because otherwise, the man was the most meticulous artist of all time, and... He may well be, but... I mean, I've never seen a title page have this many details in it when yep. it's just a title page. <laughs> just a title page. He seemed to revel in putting, like, cramming as much teeny tiny little details into a book as possible. Yeah. Which is good for rereads if you're an adult who has to reread this thing a hundred times, but, you know. But even before the story starts, you're seeing a story play out. You're seeing mm-hmm. a cat you know, try and claw through a window to get at some mice that are running away and, and jumping into a antique clock. Correct. In so, an antique store. As right. You can see from the window. Yeah. And it starts off with the first sentence being, it was national rodent day. And I thought, is that a thing? <laughs> so I <laughs> looked it, it up on November 12th. It is National Rodent Day. What? November 12th is National Rodent Day? We're doing this a little early, I guess. I guess so. Jeez, had I but known, I would have scheduled this for our November 12th release. <laughs> Man. So I'll have to put it on my calendar at home. On National Rodent Day, uh, they're all you know climbing into the clock and uh, running away from the cat that was just chasing them. And inside the clock, there's like a table and chairs, and uh, and Jenny comes out with this. Jenny's a mouse, mm. uh, that uh, mouse, right? Yeah, they're all mice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, has this cake, but you can see like on the walls there are some signs, like very teeny tiny signs. And <laughs> I like the one that it looks like, um, you know, it's like one of those reward posters. Oh yeah, it's got a picture of a cat, and it says reward for Gertrude who committed unmentionable crimes i like that her name's gertrude <laughs> Ger- i like it's Ger- a her gertrude the cat gertrude did, the cat is a great name and they keep talking about bowling like all throughout like yeah they're on a bowling they're team. a bowling team yeah. there's like a sign for the rowdies versus the moles 
they are the rowdies. They are definitely so the rowdies. mice versus moles. Anyway, so right, the money's lots, on the mice. So you lots of details here. Yeah. Lots of details. But at one point, Jenny says, uh, "Well, the, Hannah is a mouse that says a German Shepherd got Granny last night. We should have stayed in our holes." And Jenny says, "I'm tired of living in a hole." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is 2020 in a nutshell." <laughs> We're stuck inside all the time. I never thought I'd be able to relate to a sentence like this, let alone wanting to escape to an island like they do. I mean, this is pretty much very, this is very relatable. Yeah, I can understand that. So they all want to get away Mm -hmm. because there's this thing that's killing their loved ones, like (laughs) Granny. Granny, they're Granny. They're snapped up. And so they decide to take the ship that was in the window Mm -hmm. and they're going to drag it to the ocean mm-hmm. which by the way i was like what island are they possibly talking about well if you look at one of the shipping boxes at the base of the stairs huh. if you look at the print the very fine print it says the old bones antique i think it's just antique sh- oh antique shop boston mass so the wow i have never noticed that before there you go so oh. i'm thinking what island like martha's vineyard i guess right yeah That's, yeah it makes sense i mean there's I don't... lots of islands in that sort of part of the country yeah just pop a boat so there so yeah so they're on the east coast they're gonna go get on a ship go across the atlantic to some island basically this is an american tale yes yeah. oh very much so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are so many details <laughs> as they... By the time the bottles in the ocean start appearing, you're like, oh, no, I tiny mean, words in bottles. Yeah, there's like one bottle that says, dear Laura, we are having fun. Love Jenny and me. And you know, at first I didn't realize the bot- the messages in bottles were coming from the ship, but mm-hmm. you can see on the ship that there's another message in mid-writing that says, um, dear... I'm going to say that's Babs. Dear Babs, we're having fun. Love, Hannah. <laughs> I bet Babs will appreciate it, Hannah. And then they're, they're surrounded by bottles. Right, so love. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. They're from Boston? Yeah. Does that mean that the rowdies should all have Boston accents? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to read this entire book with Boston accents. With a accent. Boston accent. I can't do a Boston accent. All right. <laughs> but you could try. Pock the car in the yard. In the Harvard, yeah. Odd yeah. yard. In the Odd yard? Yeah. In the, in the odd yard? Odd <laughs> yard. Yeah, you can even see underneath the stairs on the ship, it says 12 cannonballs for cannons or bowling. <laughs> so, you know, just in um. case... That's wonderful. Now they'll have something to do on the island. Right. So they have been at sea for a while. Um, and the main guy here who said he wanted to be captain, mm-hmm. bouncer, bouncer. Yeah. He apparently has had the map upside down. Not just the map. And the globe the upside globe, down. The globe took some work. To be fair, though, to be fair, that's also what I do when um, I'm trying to, like, figure out where I'm going. I kind of turn my phone because, like, I'll have the map on my phone. Uh, I'll turn my yeah, phone yeah. in the direction. That's what but, he did. Okay. So he basically was just turning his phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even so... But they ended up. They ended up by the North Pole. Yeah, almost pulling a Titanic. My my son saw this and he was like, "If there's an iceberg there, why aren't they dead?" And I'm like, "Okay, so just because you're in a boat and there's an iceberg doesn't mean that they're like magnetized and like inextricably drawn to one another." I mean, did you tell him about Titanic? Oh, he knows Titanic. That's why he asked. He oh, knew yeah. Titanic without my having to tell him. He would just wondered. 
we read a whole graphic novel about the Titanic, yeah. but but uh, yeah, he just wondered why this boat didn't also get destroyed. And I was like, it's a much smaller boat. Well, Jack, he's like the Titanic was big. I'm like, Jack and Rose lived Titanic. in mice form. Yes, and yes. and they decided to turn around and just as they were getting rid of the last scraps of food they had, they found land, and they decided to obviously go aboard, but sure. they were a little afraid. Um, though on the page where they says that they were seasick and convinced they would soon be dead, you can find in a message in a bottle that says <laughs> my last will and testament by Hannah. Um, I leave my collection of stamps. I don't even know how you do this in Boston <laughs> accent. Uh, my yellow hat, my yo-yo and my white purse to my kind friend, Jenny. Well, Jenny's on the boat well, with Jenny's you, honey. Jenny's also on the boat with you, sweetie. So that's, that's, that's poor planning there. Yeah. yeah. You got any other feelings? Yeah. <laughs> I guess if the stuff's on the boat, then you might as well leave it to someone else. I know, right? Anyway, so, right. So you got Bouncer, who, like, first gets them lost. Mm -hmm. Then he, like, decides to quit being captain. And now he's insulting them by calling them Flubberhead. Because that's a thing. That's hard. And he says that they shouldn't go onto this island until they, they, they should blaze their way across the island and show whatever the heck this skog thing is that because the population of one skog one one skog uh yeah. they should show that you know they mean business so basically one native of this island and we need to show it yeah, yeah. our might and force you know who i'm actually disappointed with this in is not bouncer it's jenny jenny at this point should have been like no but she doesn't she lets him go through with his crazy plan and look what happens as a result right he goes through with the crazy plan they shoot all 12 cannonballs which is just an excess of force and then they get onto the island where then bouncer decries that he will be king yeah 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 yeah. what yeah which she downplays very well. Yeah, well, you they they all well, she says, here we can all feel like kings, but you Burn. can tell that the people are not happy mm. with this situation because they're still writing messages in bottles <laughs> that say help <laughs> happy. Uh dear Ma, we are lost at sea, love Wooster. Oh, but those are the previous bottles, right? So they're just washing up on this shore. Oh, is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think these are the previous bottles that they were throwing because we're lost at sea, you know, help, all that. That's what, those were their messages, obviously. I thought they were secretly sending them out like, get me out of here. I think because (laughs) it wouldn't make sense because they've only just now discovered the footprint of the skog. Right. So they've discovered this footprint in the sand and they decide to try and trap it. Um, Well, that didn't work because the skog cut the rope and for their makeshift trap. And so then. No, no, he cut the rope for the boat. Oh, well, right, for the boat. For the boat. So the boat's gone now. They're now stuck on the island. Sorry, I was distracted by Jenny's drawings of what she thinks the skog looks like. (laughs) And it kind of reminds me of Slimer. Oh, it's so Slimer. It's Slimer with feet. It's Slimer with feet. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, this book came coming out uh, as it did in 1973 uh preceded slimer slightly so maybe that's the inspiration slimer was based on the skog there you go i love it so they decide to try and trap the skog again and they keep using honey in which i'm like didn't you guys have no food left like i saw your menu on the boat it said seawater soup like 
and and seaweed salad. Maybe like, there was some scene we missed here where they found a huge cache of honey on the island. But if they could <laughs> find it, couldn't the Skog just as easily find it? Right. It's a strange... So they're using this magical honey that just suddenly appeared yeah. to try and like trap Winnie the, the Skog. Winnie the Pooh just descended from a cloud <laughs> right. and handed it to them. Well, the Skog appears mm. and... is terrifying. How would you describe him? Um, Terrifying. I would say. I, I can't actually see him, though, very clearly because I'm seeing him through the lens of my childhood Oh, so. I'm seeing him as a Dementor with bare feet. Like, oh, yeah. Like bear, B-E-A-R. B-E-A-R. And, and bare hands, too. Bare claws. Yeah, he's very Dementor-esque. He's a, and he's a bear Dementor. And that is borne out by what happens to him next, actually. Right. So they trap him by ha- luring him into this circle uh, with the honey in the middle um, and they take the end of a kite mm-hmm. and they've now gotten the somehow through the magic of wind um, and this plan has no a gravity apparently yeah uh, well the kite just flies away and somehow takes the skog with it um, trapped by his ankles uh, and he's gone up into the air well um, apparently his feet were stilts and yes. he comes barreling down back to the ground right. <laughs> Like, Which would kill he, any living thing. And but he's totally Dementor-like. In this he's very... De- he's upside-down Dementor-ish. Yeah, but he's, and he's, he's got, he's got rid of his right, feet, yeah. so he's 100% Dementor yeah. now. He'll suck your soul! And he lands on the beach, which, and then he crawls out, and he kind of looks like a mole. Yeah, looks a lot like a mole. But he's smaller than a mouse. So... Yes, so a shrew. <laughs> uh, a shrew-mole? A shmroll. Shmroll? A shmroll. <laughs> and he's... Uh, and, it's gone. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And all the mice are like, well, what? What? <laughs> We've never encountered anything smaller than us. And he's like, don't hurt me. And they're like, we're not going to hurt you. Well, why'd you wear this costume? And he said, well, because I was afraid of you because of your cannons and your trap. Yeah. And they're like, oh. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> right. The cannons. And, and he said, well, and I cut the rope to, to your ship because I thought you were sleeping on the ship. Which I- it does say they did. The night before, so there was a precedent there. Yeah, yeah, and he's just been, and he says, I've been so lonely, but I decided it was better to be alone than be afraid. This is the saddest sentence ever I mean, written in the that, history of that the That touches a lot of adults, I'm sure. Yeah, it does. Which I'd rather be alone than afraid. And then Jenny says, if only we had talked to each other. Yep. You could yep. have ended it right there. Mm-hmm. But no, they decided <laughs> to keep well, going. Well, because you, apparently you have to... Get Bouncer back in the good graces of the reader. Because otherwise, he's, I, I think that's the justification. Because he comes up back and says, okay, let's make a plan. Let's. The first thing we're going to do is make a national anthem. Yeah, okay. Already, he's all about nationalism. Okay. Uh, it's like his go-to. Why is the first thing when you create your new island be that you need a national anthem? Because in the U.S., the national anthem wasn't even created until 1931. So you know what? I'll bet you anything. His second act will be to make a flag. <laughs> Do you have a flag? Do you have a flag. <laughs> no, no flag, flag no, no country. country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. Mm-hmm. So right. Uh, so obviously the Skog was alone uh, because he said he was lonely. However, he also has a reputation. So he must have been scaring other things that came to the island. Well, I don't know, because in the book that they were reading, all it said was that the population included one Skog. It didn't say he was a scary thing. It just said a Skog. There's a Skog there. 
But don't you think other people would have tried to get on the island? They see this thing true. and then they run away. That's true. So he's maybe been yeah, and, yeah. He didn't make that overnight. That thing, right? He's been you don't just construct things. stilts overnight. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So I don't know if I believe his. Oh, I was scared. I was. Oh I've been lonely. man, no, I th- yeah, no. I think he's got. Now he has to come up with a new plan right. to get rid of these people to get off his island. I don't know. He seems pretty happy with the whole. But who knows? He could be. Yeah, this could be like, you know, Ben from Lost or whatever. Yeah. But the very end is them singing this anthem. And in the anthem, it says, keep our kitchens stuffed with cheese. So does this island have cows? Um, You make from goats. I bet you it has goats. Does it? Goats every... Though, how would a mouse milk a goat? Let's just think about that for a second. Yeah, no. Um, Pulley system. That's mm, a... Yeah. <laughs> ropes and pulleys. Maybe they're hoping that this bottle system that they're convinced is, right. is going to deliver food from boston and what was in these bottles are they just all alcoholics i don't I know i don't know maybe they well maybe they heard the water at sea was salty and so they brought fresh water oh there you go sure maybe <laughs> who's to say and that's the end and that's the end this is one of the rare books that Stephen Kellogg has not re-illustrated since it came out uh he's done other books like mysterious tadpole um and i think pinkerton where he has re-illustrated them after the fact uh to the detriment i would say of the books themselves so i understand the reasoning behind them and maybe someday we will do those books and compare them i was not able to find much on this though i was able to find in nothing less than the 19 march 1988 uh edition of language arts a piece by one Laura S. Robb called Understanding Complex Issues, Island of the Skog Revisited, in which she explains that she reads this book to her eighth graders to explain about um, group interactions, leadership, decision-making, basically nationalism to a lesser extent. But then there's lessons here that people can pick up. I mean, obviously the colonialism just comes through the hardest, I think, now, um, where you've got a bunch of people escaping, uh, immigrating away from somewhere to a place that's already populated and then saying, well, we'll use a show of force. And then supposedly, honestly, you, you, you take a, the attitude that the Skog might be planning something. I think that would be smart of him because I could see like two days from now, Bouncer's like, you know, oh no, I'm missing like a, one of my, whatever they were, chocolate covered cheese puffs. The Skog is clearly the enemy again. Let's, yeah. Kill the skog. So, ratings time. So I gave it a four point five. Mm-hmm. I think the illustrations are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love the attention to detail, but it's a bit disjointed at the beginning, um, with the title page showing like the cat, and then all of a sudden they're displaced and now need to go. And it's it like the text doesn't quite follow the illustrations. So I was a little disjointed in the beginning. Um, and I don't think it's a strong ending choice with the song. I think the song scans beautifully. Scans? Yes, yeah, scans. You know, like the, the rhymes hit oh, the marks. I thought perfectly. you meant like yeah. in a fax machine, you have the scanner and you yes, can just scan the color. You can really make a- out the font. <laughs> so crisp. So clear. Oh, and I really hate Bouncer um, because I know who that guy is. Yeah. And I hate him. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't call it a classic for me. Interesting. And of course, I have, on more than any other book we've done, this one I'm very hampered by, by my own memories of it. And usually that is not the case, but maybe it's just the fact that not a lot of people talk about this book as much as some other books. 
Um, however, I could totally see what you're saying about the beginning being weirdly disjointed. I mean, it begins the story before the story begins, but it's really plunging well, you into the heart of this story without a lot of prologue. Well, but it's, I know he's trying to like just get the story moving really fast. But... Well, yeah, I mean, you 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 know, they start off inside of the clock, and then meanwhile, the cat had slipped in with the delivery boy. The mice just barely escaped to the basement. Right. It's like. Uh, it never even mentions it. I mean, you if you read the art, you can see they're in an antique store. Yeah, I don't but, know. Like, it's like, just who kind lives of... here? And yeah, you and get then what why I'm saying. Why is there a whole cadre of of animals like saying good riddance to the mice as they're leaving? It's just it. Yeah. So, however, incredibly beautiful. I love books with tons of details. I think it has a very good message. Um, Bouncer's awful, but I think we can we can all acknowledge that Bouncer is awful. So I'm not going to give it like the highest rated world, but a 6.2. I think it's a strong 6.2. So it's just barely a classic two, then. Two over the line. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I I do. Uh, <laughs> fine, we'll agree to disagree. All right, all right, all right. that I am right. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> all right, uh, letters time. Ooh. Um, not much, but I did instead of letters. I, I want to tell you about something. Um, you, you've been justified, Kate. Uh, one of your crazy, crazy theories about picture books has not only borne fruit, it has borne a publication. What? There is a book coming out February 23rd, 2021 from HarperCollins by Julia Fine. The book is called The Upstairs House. I'm going to read you the description. Hold on to your freaking hat with this. Ravaged and sore from giving birth to her first child, Megan is mostly raising her newborn alone while her husband travels for work. Physically exhausted and mentally drained, she's also racked with guilt over her unfinished dissertation, a thesis on mid-century children's literature. Enter a new upstairs neighbor, the ghost of quixotic children's book writer Margaret Wise Brown, author of the beloved classic Goodnight Moon, whose existence no one else will acknowledge. It seems Margaret has unfinished business with her former lover, the once famous socialite and actress Michael Strange, and is determined to draw Megan into the fray. As Michael joins the haunting, Megan finds herself caught in the wake of a supernatural power struggle, and until she can find a way to quiet these spirits, she and her newborn daughter are in terrible danger. So the author herself described it, or I heard it described as, oh, this is Goodnight Moon as an adult novel with ghosts. And I'm like, ghosts. <laughs> so ghosts in Goodnight Moon. Yep. Where have I heard the ghosts in Goodnight Moon theory before? <laughs> Could it have anything to do with the old lady whispering hush who apparently... She's is, there and is, then she's not. That yeah. is apparently... That's the grandmother. Well, the grandmother is apparently Margaret Wise Brown. Huh. We we never knew. Well, now we know. Now we know. Okay. Now we know. Good night. No. If, if it does not ha- make use of the line "Good night, nobody," yeah. I I will be seriously displeased. <laughs> all right, all right. Grown up things we like. Well, you started the podcast talking about fall, mm-hmm. so I was in Michael's picking up Halloween decorations. Good, good. And, you know, along the countertops, you know, they'll have a bunch of, like, little candies or whatever mm-hmm. for you to pick up. And there's a bunch of magazines, and I never buy any of them. But I did see one called Better Homes and Gardens 100 Best Apple Recipes. It's a lot of apple recipes. It's a lot of apple it's recipes. a lot of apple recipes. But they have both. They have sweet recipes like pies and cakes and cookies and then savory ones like soups and huh. sandwiches and pizzas. And it makes me 
so stupidly happy. Good. Make me those things. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Well, make but... something, anything. I mean, come on. Ooh. Yeah. Those I mean, good. if I just flip through the pages, yeah. every page just kind of makes you go, oh, oh, mm. uh, oh, mm. oh, mm-hmm. uh, mm. oh, yeah. <laughs> Not sure about where that hamburger so, was doing there, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Better Homes and Gardens, 100 best apple recipes. You can pick it up at Michael's. Yes. I recommend it. Excellent choice. Um, and in fact, the grown-up thing I like uh, came from your recommendation long, long ago, amongst other people's recommendations as well, but I am finally sitting down to watch and i'm not sure how we can say the name of this the uh the uh Oops, creek uh oh yeah s creek yeah, s creek yeah s creek i'm Shh. finally Shh. creek that's the one <laughs> y'all know which which show i'm talking about yes uh eugene finally, levy and dan eugene levy and Catherine o'hara and murphy yep and uh, we're we're not very far into it so far my husband myself but uh we're, here's we're, the thing it's very bingeable um, it's very bingeable because the episodes binge. are it's only like short. 20 minutes. Yeah, like 20 minutes long. Um, it's like Steven I, Universe or something. I think it really starts to get good seasons three or four. That's what everyone says, but we figured we should probably start from the start. And it's, oh, not, it's not bad at no. the beginning. It's it's quite enjoyable. But yeah, we hear it gets real good later. Yeah, because so. you see, you meet the characters and they're not very likable at first, but right. then they start to get heart. But and it's that's... weird because I was expecting Arrested Development where everything was their own fault. And in fact, this actually wasn't their fault losing all their money. Um, they, you know, a guy actually did put them in this position, which is unusual. I was like, usually you would have dug your own grave right from the start. And they're not great people, but that's one sin that's not on their heads, which is interesting. A very interesting choice. Also, it's so Canadian because even it's like, it's not quite cringe comedy because everyone's like, pretty darn nice about the whole thing there's definitely so. awkward moments though. there's awkward moments yeah there's definitely awkward moments yes, it's on netflix or pop tv mm-hmm. um and the new season should be coming out uh well the oh, last I they were season. done are they still well they're oh. done filming the last season should come out on netflix i think i think late october oh well well timed me yeah first so now yeah. is the time to binge it exactly <laughs> quickly 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 okay and uh, when I'm not binging it, I'm doing this podcast, and I think we're done. Oh, yeah, we're done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. In, that, in that case. I got apples to eat, man. Yeah, all right. And I, I got <laughs> apples to make you make for me. Okay. What? Oh, wait. Anyway, I've been Betsy. <laughs> I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse 8 Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our little old woman whispering hush is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Burr.